We are in the second week of Advent, this sermon series, What Are You Waiting For? Admission that even in the best of times, certainly in the hardest of times, we are all waiting for something, for someone. Last week we talked about waiting in hope. This week, waiting for light. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give thanks for your faithfulness, for your word. We pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, we might hear your voice, your word, in and through this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you had a chance to see the square on one of these recent evenings? Yeah, just beautiful. I mean, I love Christmas lights in general, but, but the way that they, they are strung across all the buildings and, and all the trees and all the lampposts to such a degree, degree that even on a moonless night, you can see everything. Lights in the darkness. That is a gift we are all drawn to. And, and like the people in the days of Malachi, you heard Mark's reading, we long for more of it. right? In their case, they wanted God to show up all the more fully and truly than they were experiencing. Things they felt should be really going better for them, having come back out of exile after being away, now back home. And as we heard God remind the people of God through the prophet Malachi, we may not always appreciate just what we are asking when we ask for light to draw near. The Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to the temple. And he, like refiner's fire, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the descendants of Levi. Uh, those are the priests, the religious group. Uh, religious leaders, and, and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. The Lord will come. The Lord will come as fire, burning through every impurity until the priests and truly all the people of God and all that is offered is completely refined unto its sacred essence. In time, the church has come to understand that promise as the promise of, uh, of Jesus drawing near to, to baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire, as John the Baptist puts it, purifying the, the, the priesthood of all believers, as, as we talk about ourselves in the Reformed tradition. The question this morning is this, what does it mean for the light of the world to draw near to us this Advent season? What are the layers of dross that sometimes accumulate and toward which then the fire seeks to draw near. I want to very briefly explore four of those possible layers because each is a layer that the people in Malachi's time dealt with. And so God, through the prophet, addresses them in our passage. And given the time of year that we are in, I want to consider those layers by way of Christmas boxes. Often attractive on the outside, but also never the true substance, right? As a child, I used to write my, my Christmas list out very fully, very diligently. I worked hard on this. And if I really wanted something for Christmas, I put a star next to it. <laughs> One year, I desperately wanted the rolling thunder. 
a GI Joe vehicle that was the end all, be all. I got a head nod in the front row, and uh, and I so wanted it that I starred the rest of my row and then made a row of stars under it. <laughs> Looking back, one of uh, it's sort of a, a cute and humorous kind of thing in one sense, but in another sense, every element of that just screams. Be sure and give me what I want. One of the more common, obvious layers of dross that can build around our hearts, maybe all the more in this season, is, is, is sort of a basic focus on me, ourselves. Indeed, God at one point through the prophet of Malachi says, where is the respect due me? And then goes on to, to point out the ways they're just not even paying attention to their neighbor. Sort of like, hey, where's God and neighbor in, in, in all this? And I'm not saying uh, that we shouldn't take care of ourselves or have healthy boundaries. That, that's not what's really in view in here. Uh, what I'm getting at, I think, is made clear by this observation from uh, Evelyn Underhill, the English Anglican Catholic um, writer from the first half of the 20th century. She had this to say in, in one of her Advent uh, reflections. Ourselves, our words, our anxieties, they slip into the center of the picture. And God becomes merely the source of energy for carrying on our activities. We can become so obsessed by the importance of our work, our friends, our interests. If we put the worship of God last and our needs first, all proportion goes. Then... Instead of the expansion that comes from selfless adoration, our souls contract. For some of us, the, the layer that may have accumulated is that almost natural, sometimes unconscious focus on ourselves, where God at best gets tucked around the edges in support of. And yet we sing, O come, O come. Emmanuel. And the prophet Malachi makes clear what we are singing. We're inviting Jesus, whose grace comes as fire, to burn away the dross. The Prince of Peace may draw near by way of an interruption or a disquieting word from Scripture or from a friend or an enemy. Or perhaps it's even the night sky that convicts us afresh of our place before God. Fire upon dross, always unto light. Have has the fire come near recently? I was standing on a ladder setting up our Christmas tree last week and trying to get out this knot that had emerged among the lights, when in that moment, our 16-month-old Logan starts crying for his food, and the dog begins barking because someone has just put a package at the front door, at which time the microwave dinger goes off because the food is done, and next to that, uh, the food that has come out of the fridge uh, that, I, that I took out of the fridge, I left that, jar, that door just slightly ajar, and now it's dinging. And Leo, our five-year-old, who's, who's standing below me at the tree, looks up and says, Daddy, stop doing that face. <laughs> I thought I was pulling off kind of calm, cool, collected, even as everything is going off all at 
once, but Leo, he was noticing me. My face scrunches into this rather unappealing squinty ball of anxiety where all the stress is going. You may or may not have such a face. You may carry it on other parts of your body. I don't know that the people in in Malachi's day carried their stress in the ways we carry our stress, but one of the central critiques of the people in that book is that they become too much like the culture around them and not the light to which they've been called. And surely one of the ways we are most susceptible to becoming like everything else around us is to find ourselves captive to anxiety. And surely that is in part because of just where things are with the season. End of semester tests, even celebrations, Christmas parties, errands, gift giving, uh, family coming to town or us going there or no one quite gathering in the same way in these COVID times, let alone all of the crying and dinging and hungering and pain. Maybe going off right in our living rooms or our neighborhood, certainly our world. For some of us, the layer that may have accumulated is anxiety. We may not even be able to see it, but we wear it on our faces or somewhere in our bodies or the pace of our schedule or the shortness of our fuse. But we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And the prophet Malachi makes clear what we're singing. We are inviting Jesus, whose grace comes as fire, to burn away the dross. The prince of peace may draw near as a child, or an interruption, or an inconvenient word, an inconvenient happening, an inconvenient call to rest or trust, fire upon dross. Always unto light. Has the fire drawn near? Do you remember Ricky Bobby's prayer in the 2006 movie Talladega Nights? I take it you do. Dear eight pounds, six ounce, newborn, infant Jesus, don't even say a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly and cute, yet still omnipotent. It goes from there. Some of us are not sure whether to, to, to laugh or be offended or both. And, and the reason it's been found rather memorably humorous is because, as with all humor, there is some truth to it. And the truth is, we often prefer baby Jesus. Right? Baby Jesus is sweet and dor- adorable, adorable, cuddly, and, and, and can't possibly ask anything of us. In fact, we can choose how we want to surround baby Jesus with our adoration. Indeed, many of the priests of Malachi's day, they had stopped bringing the, the, the costly uh, sacrifice, animal sacrifices they were supposed to be bringing for worship. And instead, they, be, they started bringing the lame animals that just weren't worth it nearly as much? Can we worship in a way that's just a little less costly? Just a little more convenient? And and then their worship uh, offerings mirrored the compromises they were making in how they lived. God kind of scathed them at one point on their forgetting of the widows and the orphans. They're cheating the wage earners. 
their denial of justice to the foreigners in the land. For some of us, the layer that may have accumulated is a focus on the Jesus of our own making and comfort, not the Jesus revealed in Scripture. Well, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and the prophet Malachi makes clear what it is we are singing. We're inviting Jesus, whose grace comes as fire, to burn away the dross. And the Prince of Peace may draw near as a word of conviction, a call to forgiveness, a ping of conscience upon our integrity. It may come as a face at the border, a face on the corner, a face stuck in the system, the face of an enemy, a face on that side of the family, fire upon dross, always unto light, as the fire drawn near recently. There's at least one more layer to consider. It's unlike the others. It's smaller, often far more hidden and buried below the other ones that accumulate. Perhaps the most obstinate layer of all. I remember Christmas 2004. Our family, we like to get together on Christmas night, and it's a circle of aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents, usually about 30 folks, singing the 12 days of Christmas. And then a prayer. But 2004 was the first time we gathered without my grandpa, who died the month before. 29 in that circle that year, and it felt notably empty. There's something about this time of year, as much joy as there is and can be, the absences are all the more notable. The one who won't be home this year hasn't been for years. The one who can't get home. The one who's no longer with us. The first Christmas without them. Or, or maybe it's the Christmas and, and everyone's actually able to make it, but everyone has the sense that this is the last time we're probably going to be able to pull this off. And so sometimes... Our voices join with the people of God, actually, in Malachi's day, crying out and wondering, where is the God of justice who makes things right? How is it like this? Where is the God of of healing? And in the silence before those questions, sometimes a layer of darkness can crowd around the heart. Maybe we become irritable or distant or cynical, or hardened, and and honestly, we we can sometimes not even help it. And look, if if Jesus comes to burn away, uh, by way of fire, layers of selfishness, and and anxiety, and, and, and comfort, you know, that's all well and good. But what are the layer of pain, of guilt, of deep shame, What of the layer cemented by the deepest losses we've known, the deepest wrongs we have seen, the deepest deepest wrongs we have done? 
I was part of a clergy group a few years back, and I remember this past pastor colleague. She was sharing about how her her child had very miraculously survived a birth that really wasn't wasn't looking like it was going to happen. And as she she told the story, her expression moved from sort of gratitude into into just uncontrollable sobbing. But what about the other ones? I saw the ones that didn't make it. And then after a few moments of silence, she she answered her own question, perhaps because the fire had sat so close to all of that for so long. And she said, life is not stronger than death. Love is stronger than death. Her words reminded me of of God's words spoken in the Song of Solomon. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, a mighty fire. For some, the layer that has accumulated is a brittleness, a calcified pain. And honestly, it cannot on its own open itself unto forgiveness or healing or or newness. It is going to require an unyielding fire. Sticking with it. We sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And the prophet Malachi makes clear what it is we're singing. We're inviting Jesus, whose grace comes as fire, to burn Away the dross. The Prince of Peace draws near as fire, and I wonder if the last time that we knew a tear, or the last time we held it all together to keep the tear from coming, if 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 that were not the fire singeing and opening into this particular lair. The Lord whom you seek will come suddenly to his temple. Is it, is it the selfishness or the anxiety or the comfort or, or the pain? Upon what lair does Jesus move faithfully towards this day? If, if we're unsure what the Spirit's movement might be among us, our lives, our corporate lives, perhaps we, we, we just take a moment to notice some of the pain points we've known in recent days. The interruptions, words of Jesus from Scripture, or or words from others in the body of Jesus, injuries or mishaps or or things not going like like they need to, anger, frustration. I I just wonder if if any portion of some of the pain pain points we could point out to recently, if they have the quality of fire. If anywhere in there is a fire unto love. I can imagine someone asking one day, have you seen the square these recent evenings? Especially that space one block off the main square. Even when the moon doesn't shine and and the sky is deep. Just beautiful. And dangerous and holy and alive. Those lights, that fire. Oh, come, oh, come, 
Emmanuel. Amen.